0: Welcome to the Buecher and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher.
1: Welcome to another coronavirus episode of Buecher Friendless, part of the United WeCast network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and for at least a while, a little while longer, you might be able to read me on Bleacher Report. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear just me talking about what I exclusively feel are the most important or interesting topics in the sports world, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. So this was originally going to be a Buker and Friends episode with my FS1 colleague, a former NBA Guard Jim Jackson is now doing color commentary for both TNT NBA games and a variety of college games, college basketball games. Uh, but we recorded the morning before he was supposed to call the Bucks Magic Game 5. We all know what happened, obviously. The Bucks elected not to come out of their locker room. They boycotted the game. That therefore prompted the Orlando Magic to follow suit uh, along with the other games scheduled for that day. We then had a meeting among NBA players, all of the NBA players in the bubble, uh, maybe coaches as well, and the debate was over whether they should continue playing at all in the bubble. Uh, The Lakers and the Clippers were of the mind that they should not the majority of the other teams and players felt that they should. By the next day, it was determined that they would continue to play. So this has obviously been discussed and debated in a variety of places. We did it on, on FS1. But I was struck by something that was sent to me. And I, I'm leery of social media uh, and what it's become. I, I remember when, when Twitter first... Kicked up and became very popular, uh, and it was utilized as a way of communicating among a multitude of people in the Middle East. I think it was the Egypt Egypt uh, spring spring rising uh, that it was looked at as this new phenomenon, connecting people and allowing social change to happen. That that was what it was going to be. That's what it was sold as, and. I get the sense that there's still a lot of people that are buying that that is what it is or that's what it's capable of and are acting in kind when they utilize social media, when they post on Twitter. And everybody has their various social causes, their their beliefs, and it has become a place where people are very opinionated and judgmental when it comes to anything that anybody else posts out there. I ultimately don't believe that it has a whole lot of influence on anything. I think it's a lot of squawking. And I'm still on it, and I still utilize it, and even now and then make a comment on it. But I'm not of the mind that I'm going to change the world by doing so, or that anybody else is. However, I was inspired to do this podcast, and I had to erase. Uh, I didn't erase. Maybe we'll play it at some point. I wanted to have Jim on because... Uh, there were some questions that I had just about how the the bubble operated. And he's been down there calling TNT games. I uh, am not in the bubble. I've been doing uh, FS1. Couldn't do both. And so I was curious about a few things, uh, uh, about how it was to work as a uh, person in the media in the bubble. And so that was what our conversation was going to go about uh, be about. And then the boycott happened, and I just felt like, having a conversation with him that didn't include that, or just putting out a podcast that was about anything other than what everybody is talking about when it comes to the NBA and sports in general would be beside the point and not particularly useful. And then I got a, I've been having a a brief exchange with somebody, uh, Uh, Juniper and Scribe I'll use their name uh, on Twitter hope they don't mind about a a clip of something that I said on Speak for Yourself on FS1 about uh, all of this and basically the gist of it being the players boycott and what they possibly could have got out of it and what I feel that they didn't and the honestly the uselessness of it or the question of what actually did they gain from it juniper writes yeah it seems like there's some real tangible steps that can be taken here if the players have the ears of the owners and the owners have the ears of the politicians they might not even have to go the full step of threatening a walkout because the players also have the ears of the media what if the players association drafted up a formal resolution stating what they're looking for and calling out the owners to publicly back the resolution let the owners take the publicity hit for remaining silent or not supporting it. Just spitballing, but it just seems like there's still an opportunity here to affect real change. And I just felt as if Juniper and Scribe nailed it. This is what, and I this was my response. That's where they should have started, before they agreed to the bubble. Harsh truth. Players are only going to stray so far from their self-interest they have a small window to change the economic lives for themselves and their families. The vast majority are not willing to risk that. I don't blame them, but it's why they keep selling, uh, settling. And that, for me, is what is at the heart of everything that's going on with the NBA. And the whole idea that athletes no matter how great they are, no matter how much influence they might have, no matter how much money they make, their ability to address the social ills or change what they see as the social ills in this country. And that's where the boycott left me short. Because I understand what they're upset about anybody seeing jacob blake shot seven times in the back i the people who aren't upset about that who don't find that uh, reprehensible who don't who can't see that and say this is this is wrong this is too much I, there are certainly people in the country that feel that way or at least they've made their feelings known through social media I assume they're real people and not just bots. Some of them have to be real. I, look, we're always going to have a a a part of society that is malignant. That's the only only description I can have. There's always going to be that percentage. I, I tell my kids this all the time when they complain about a teacher or a teammate or a coach or was I've told and I've learned this from experience. I had to be taught this myself. There's always going to be that one person. <laughs> There's always going to be that one person that gets under your skin or that you feel is, is violating some principle that is near and dear to you. There's always going to be one. And rather than hate upon them or focus on them, it's what can we learn by watching their actions? And how can we counteract those? Now... It, it is a very mature approach that I myself do not always fully adhere to. But I know it's there and I know it's the right thing. I know it's the way to go. So when things go sideways or when I become obsessed with somebody who's doing wrong, I realize that I'm the one who's wasting my energy and my focus. I don't want this to become a, a civil lesson. Uh, that's, that's not my point. My point is to help anybody out there understand why, when... And I I, I actually appreciate that I'm not in the bubble right now because I feel as if the media in the bubble have created this echo chamber that the players are consumed with being inside the bubble and what's going on outside the bubble and how they should be affecting it or whether playing in the bubble is what they should be doing in this moment in time with people that look like them, people that may be related to them, people certainly that they identify with, being treated in a certain way, seeing video of them being treated in a certain way. And I think that's very real. I think Doc Rivers, when he spoke, like he spoke from his, what I, what I appreciated about what Doc Rivers said is that he spoke from his experience. We can never begrudge someone from saying, this is how I feel because this is what I've experienced. I believe that's the most powerful way to communicate. He, I think pronouns are important too. And he kept saying we and us. And that's where I know from doing the show, Speak for Yourself with Marcellus Wiley, from Compton, went to Columbia, successful football player, obviously, now in the media. He contends and has explained why he feels this way. He feels that this is not a black issue. He feels that this is a cultural issue, that there are just as many people out there that are white, um, including some people that were directly in his family, who have suffered the same things that Black people have, have suffered. And so that it's not a black and white issue. And he also feels as if the black culture, black society, has caused some of its own problems. So I take into account that not all, and I've known this for a long time, not all black people have the same experience. Not all black people are the same. Just like not all white people are the same. Back to the subject at hand my point with doc it's important the pronouns that you use are important i'm very careful of this i never want to say you because i know how that lands on me somebody says you should do this you are the reason for this that's contentious for me you're challenging don't tell me about me now when i say i when i speak about my experience you can't argue with that. And I'm not I'm I'm trying to convey something to you, but I'm speaking from my experience, not trying to tell you what your experience is. I'm telling you what I think, what I feel, what I've gone through, where I am coming from. I'm not qualified to tell you where you're coming from, what you've experienced. Even what you should think. But I can tell you what I've experienced and what I think in hopes that maybe that will influence how you think. So I say all that and I was inspired to do this podcast because my conversation with Junior and Scribe reminded me of the very difficult, impossible situation, position, that professional athletes are are put in which is essentially almost invariably they come from places where the wealth the power the influence the life that they're able to live as a result of being a professional athlete is stories higher than the life that they would be leading otherwise. They not only can create an amazing life for themselves, but they can do it for their families, for their kids, for their children's children, for for several generations in some cases. Transform their experience on this planet. And essentially, in asking them to fight for social change they have to be willing to forfeit all of that or to give it up, to sacrifice it, or at least put it in the balance, push those chips to the middle of the table. Now, how many of us would be willing to do that, knowing what the consequences are, even wondering whether we have the right to do that? Is that ultimately the right thing to do? And I can tell you, unless they are willing to do that, there is that the significance or the, their full ability to create change is going to be very limited. I look at someone like Pat Tillman, a football player who left the Arizona Cardinals, went to serve in the military, ultimately ended up losing his life that way. He made the ultimate sacrifice professionally, for a cause that he believed in. And then, through great misfortune, it ended up costing him his life. He inspires people to this day as a result of making that sacrifice. So, I could still say, I could still raise the question, did it accomplish what he had hoped? Maybe it's not a matter of he was trying to influence anybody else. It was simply the way he wanted to live his life, which commendable and, and mission accomplished. It was what he wanted to do. It was how he wanted to contribute on this planet. That is, as my friend Marcellus Wiley says, colleague and friend, says working within his circle of influence. The sense that I get with NBA players is that they have lost sight of what their real circle of influence is. And I was having this conversation with an NBA scout the other day about how twisted everyone's reality becomes. When they live within the NBA, not just this bubble, but the NBA as it exists before the pandemic, before Orlando, before the current playoff situation, there was an NBA and NBA bubble. And it is that life is different inside that bubble and people will do almost anything to stay within that bubble because it's starkly different than living outside that bubble. There are there are perks it's, it is a good life living inside that b- bubble. It's stressful and it's difficult to stay there. But if you can, uh, it's, it's generally better than any life that the people in it would be living otherwise. And essentially, that is what the players would have to risk in order to force real change. Is They would have to be willing, maybe not even willing, they would have to make take the step of Pat Tillman. I'm just not going to do this anymore. And this is where, again, I'm glad that I'm not in the bubble because I feel as if the media down there have done nothing but applaud what the players are doing and think that there's something has been accomplished. And being outside of the bubble, I look around and I see people's reaction to the boycotts and Black Lives Matter and, uh, the The statements made in post game press conferences, and I don't see any effect I don't see it changing anybody's mind I don't see it changing anybody's behavior so what is truly being accomplished and I believe in action actionable items and this I know the owners of of the nBA teams if the players have influence, the owners have. I don't even know what number to put on it, but at least 20, 50, 100 times more influence because they have that much more money because they have operated and become proficient in operating in the world of politics and money and power in a way that the players are still neophytes. And those those worlds of politics and influence and power are where changes are made that that is where our world is shaped if you don't believe that look at who's our president and what he has presented himself as a billionaire businessman whether true or not that is where his true influence has come from the owners really are the ones that have the ultimate power to create the kind of change and influence that the players want and the players need the owners in order to make that happen. Now, there's only one way that they can hold the owner's feet to the fire, and that's by refusing to play unless the owners cooperate with what they want to see happen. I had a prominent agent tell me just the other day that the reason for the boycott, really behind the boycott, all the teams looking at it and joining forces with the Bucks. Bucks did it. Oh, I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to presume, but look, the shooting of Jacob Blake was in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Sterling Brown was uh, harassed and treated terribly by police over a parking ticket, Sterling Brown being a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. I have no doubt that recent events with Jacob Blake happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and Sterling Brown still being a part of the team is what inspired them to take the action that they did. I'm also fairly certain that the Republican National Convention going on at this time was also a factor. And hearing and seeing a lot of the rhetoric that has come out of out of that party and that gathering to nominate the current president once again to hold his position I can't help but feel as if a lot of the problems, again, stem from the misperception of what social media is able to do and what professional athletes are able to do through it. Uh, Russell Westbrook posted on Instagram the other day uh, a statement, my legacy is going to be based on how much I give back to my people, how much I give back to the community. That's all I worry about and that is certainly a noble position to take. I don't know that it needs to be expressed, particularly on social media. And the reason is because my sense with fans, with Russell Westbrook's fans, is that they follow him and they're aware of him because of his ability as a basketball player, not as a social activist. And being a social activist is fine, But this suggests that his focus and his aim is to be a social activist, to create change. Again, noble. Many would say necessary. But you are preaching to an audience that didn't show up to hear you talk about social activism. And I know that there are people that believe okay, well, you just have to force feed this. You have to beat people over the head with how this is wrong. And it makes me think of what I learned about training and taking care of my dogs. As a kid, I grew up with a dog and I was led to believe that when they did something wrong, you scolded them. When they dropped a deuce where they weren't supposed to in the house or wherever, you rubbed their face in it. And that's how you taught them not to do those things again. Fast forward some 20 years and now I have dogs again. And I've been working with a trainer. And learned that that's not the appropriate way. That you're not teaching the dog anything. That you're just basically venting your anger and hoping that your anger is going to scare them into behaving different can't help but feel like that's what we're suggesting that the players do and that we do as a society to get those who disagree with us to agree with us. And I don't believe it's working any more effectively. Now, when it comes to the boycotts and the effectiveness of that, I don't believe that they had any influence. And the idea that if the players weren't playing basketball, that people wouldn't be distracted, that it's distracting them from the real issues of the world. I don't believe that's the case either. Which brings me to the idea that I've seen presented by some, that Kyrie Irving, because he at one point suggested that the players should not be playing, that the boycott was a confirmation that Kyrie was right and that he is owed an apology by those who suggested that Kyrie was on the wrong track there's no apology necessary none what Kyrie did was monumentally mishandled and selfish yes selfish because and again I'm going to reference one of my speak for yourself colleagues if you haven't watched the show please check it out I'm if you enjoy my podcast and my commentary and my writing, then I promise you, you are going to enjoy that show because it is conversation from a number of viewpoints that is insightful, entertaining. I know this is sounds highfalutin, but I, I really I appreciate being part of the show. I think we're doing something that's very elevated when it comes to talking about sports. Nonetheless, Emmanuel Acho has said and referenced his coaches telling him when he played linebacker, he would make the calls. And if he made a call and it was the wrong call in a certain situation for that, that particular play, to defend that particular play, his coaches said, even if you're wrong, if you're all wrong, you're right. Meaning that everybody, if everybody plays and adheres to the same play call, You can still be okay. You can still be effective as a defense. It's when guys get confused and they're on different pages that things go wrong. I feel the same thing holds here. Kyrie wasn't adamant, first of all, about not playing. He had an opportunity to raise it when everybody collectively could have decided on it. And did. And it was decided at that time that it wasn't the best idea for the collective. And so the decision was made to play. Kyrie then decided to renew that conversation about not playing and have a second conversation with players. And what I was told is that conversation was basically Kyrie talking. And then decided to publicize that. You'll note that whenever the owners, uh, there's plenty of disagreement among them when it comes to collective bargaining agreement, plenty. But ultimately, when it comes to ratifying an agreement, it is invariably unanimous. They vote unanimously. Why? Because there is power in the collective. There's power in numbers. And it has to be that you're all together as one. Kyrie demonstrated that he doesn't believe in that. The other issue that I have is his, uh, I don't know if it's his Instagram or his Twitter, but his line in there, in the bio, is "Fear is not real," which again sounds really good. In fact, I even used to say at one point, "Fear is an insult to God," and I was corrected by some of my elders about that. If you're walking down the street and there's suddenly there's a Doberman Pinscher baring his teeth and coming at you hundred miles an hour, and you feel fear that's real and it's legitimate. When we see a loved one in danger and we feel fear, that's real. That's not fake. So that idea that fear is not real sounds good. A lot of things Kyrie says sound good, but if you dig a little bit deeper, they don't really apply to reality. And... Kyrie, in, in this situation, is not taking into account a really important part of this. And I talked about it a little earlier in the, in the podcast. There, he, he's in a different place than most of these other players. He's already independently wealthy. He doesn't have an immediate family to be concerned about. So his position is fine for his position. But it doesn't take into account everybody else. And I feel as if that's really the missing element here in all of our conversation, is everybody sees the world from their viewpoint, but they're not taking into consideration what it is from everybody else's viewpoint. And maybe that's where, when I talk about these social issues, I've, I haven't experienced it myself in a small way. We've talked about this, I have, in, in being a white athlete, in black sports, having played basketball in particular, and grown up in with with predominantly uh, black black kids as my friends, and feeling that reverse racism at times, being looked at different simply because I was white. So I know what that feels like. But you know, the vast majority of my life, it, that has not affected me. I've seen it work the other way. I've seen friends of mine. Talented friends, intelligent, upstanding, honest, and looked and treated different as a result of their skin. The only thing that was the difference. And so I'm conscious of that. And I'm conscious of how long that's gone on, because it's gone on since I was a kid. My point in all of this is to say that we are looking to professional athletes and NBA players in particular to lead this charge when they are not equipped to do so. And that's not an insult to their intelligence or uh, their acumen, it is to their experience. They've spent their lives becoming great basketball players. That's taken a great deal of time, energy, commitment, and focus. Meanwhile, the owners have, the NBA owners, have utilized better part of their lives Acquiring power, influence, wealth, political power. So I understand why the players would want them to be in lockstep with them. I also understand that the owners look at this situation and say, my connection with you as NBA players is not because you're black. It's because we are in business together in the game of basketball. The owners didn't buy NBA teams in order to be social justice warriors. And that at this point is a big part of what the players are asking them to do. Now you can we can talk forever about what the right thing to do is and why it's necessary, but the fact of the matter is the players are now asking the owners to do something that they didn't sign up for. What they did sign up for is what the players asked in order to play in the bubble, in order for their business relationship to continue, which was, we want $300 million for the foundation, for a social justice foundation. We wanna wear slogans on our jerseys and we want Black Lives Matter on the court. The owners gave them that. And then Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back. And by the way, those slogans and Black Lives Matter on the court and players talking about Breonna Taylor and the post-game press conference, none of that prevented Jacob Blake from being shot seven times in the back. And Jacob Blake's really the only one we know about. I'm sure there's been other incidents in this country since the bubble started that have been either police brutality, reflection of pol- police brutality, or the mistreatment of people of color in this country. I assure you that's happened. We just happened to have the video of Jacob, Jacob Blake in a place like Kenosha, Wisconsin.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: In any case, the players and the owners agreed what the terms were going to be to come back and play. And then Jacob Blake happens and the players decide we're not playing again. And we want to renegotiate, basically, the terms of why we are playing. The owners went along with the renegotiation, I believe, at least in part, because to not do so would have been a very bad PR look for both them and the league as a whole. But I can guarantee you that they weren't happy about it. And that's why I said from the very beginning, the players needed to determine exactly what it was that they wanted what they wanted for change, what they wanted in order to come back and play, to keep this NBA vehicle going. And I don't know that they did a very good job of it because they asked for some things that I'm just not sure really changed the equation. That said, the whole idea that they are supposed to be changing the world by whether or not they are playing or not playing is unrealistic and largely because they're not in a position to do so. They can't extricate what they want from the owners, not without severe, severe damage to themselves. Now, maybe, maybe, if they were willing to do that, they could. My suspicion is the owners feel like, worst case scenario, the NBA goes under, they can survive. They can rebuild it. Financially, they have other. Most of them. Genie Buss is an exception. Uh, Tillman Fertitta seems as if he's got an awful lot wrapped up in the Houston Rockets. I don't can't speak for Robert Sarver or Vivek Ranadive, but most of them, the NBA is not their cash cow. It's not how it's they make may make a majority of their revenue or a certain element of their revenue from owning an NBA team, but it's not the only thing where they get their money. For players, by and large, it is. Uh, Even with endorsements and shoe deals, those are all tied to their ability to play the game and how well they play it. So they are at an extreme disadvantage. They have to sacrifice or risk all of that in order to force the owners to be in lockstep with them and what they want. And for the owners their self-interest, their business interests, many of those interests are supported by what the current president in leadership in the country does. So you're asking them to undermine themselves in order to help the players' cause. And maybe, just maybe, if the players were really specific and identified the specific things, maybe, just maybe, the owners would look at it and say, it's worth it it's worth it for the relationships it's worth it for the pr it's worth it for my own self esteem in doing the right thing maybe if they were really specific but you're asking players who are not well versed in that and are by the way a a group of 450 to come at this in a like-minded way and 450 that may all be nba players but in many other ways are in dramatically dramatically different circumstances and situations and have different demands on them some of them are only going to be in the league for a couple years so every year and every dollar means everything some like lebron james kyrie irving Kawhi leonard they're beyond that they can think big picture they don't have nearly as much at stake so It's just, and then, and then the outside, the outside responsibilities, some are married, some are single, some are just coming into the league, some are just going out, some are in the middle. It's trying to get that kind of a disparate group to act and operate on the same principles is really difficult. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of conversation and That's not what the players are attuned to either. Meanwhile, you have 30 owners, all who work sort of in the same sphere. The variation among owners isn't nearly to the degree that you find among the players. And the players need the league. This is the one place that they have developed themselves to make a life for themselves that they couldn't, any other way. And that's where I think this whole thing is sideways and where the players, again, have this misconception of what they're capable of and what their real purpose is. We've gotten to know who Russell Westbrook is and LeBron James is, uh, who they are, because of the way they play basketball, because who they are as athletes. And who they've showed themselves to be outside of that is an addition. It's not the centerpiece. And what I feel is where we have come to today and Russell Westbrook's statement on Instagram reflects it is that players now see themselves as either at least half-athlete half Martin Luther King or depending on how how independently wealthy they are, how secure they feel about not having to play the game of basketball to live their lives that they are now three quarters Martin Luther King and a quarter an athlete a basketball player and the problem with that is that the people I believe the majority of people, not the people that, they're list, that are listening to them or following them, but the people that they're trying to change. Do not look at them as that. Do not look at them for that. And so the idea that they're somehow going to convince people that don't see them as the people who are the ones that are supposed to be convincing them I just don't see how that equation works. Now, there was one moment where I thought, maybe, just maybe, the players can defy all of that, the NBA players, that is. And that was when they boycotted, and the the Bucks boycotted, and then all of the teams boycotted for two days. And then Major League Baseball, teams boycotted and soccer teams boycotted the WNBA like there was a movement that was started there and if they had held to that if all of the athletes in the United States including the NFL if they had followed suit if all of them had stood by it and said this is what we need to see changed before we come back and perform that would have been powerful. But they would have had to have been specific on what they all wanted, what was the end goal, and they would have had to stuck stick by it until the forces that be came through with what they were asking for. That's why when the boycott only lasted two days and everybody made it out to be this profound event, my thinking was, it could have been. But ultimately, it wasn't the self-interest took over again understandably i do not fault them for that put in the same situation i'm going to take care of my family and if i see only one way in which i can take care of them and i can not guarantee their future but certainly increase the odds that their lives and their kids lives are going to be different and maybe i can create influence In partnership with that, then I'm more inclined to go that direction. If it was just me, if I didn't have a family, if it was just me, I might go in a different direction. I might risk it all. I might do a Pat Tillman. Maybe, maybe. Don't want to put myself in his category without having to face that decision and making it. But having a family changes everything. Having the opportunity to change their lives dramatically changes everything. I still wonder if the boycott is going to result in the owners blowing up the collective bargaining agreement. And with LeBron James at the tail end of his career, no longer, we'll see how things go in terms of winning a championship this year, but his sphere of influence, both with players and with the league at large, I believe is waning. And much like when Michael Jordan retired, and we had the lockout, and the, and the owners saw that as their great opportunity to hit a complete reset and change dramatically the terms of their working relationship with the players through the collective bargaining agreement. I would not be surprised if we saw the same thing after the bubble and before we get to the next season of play, that there is going to be the, I think it's force de majeure, a French term for blowing up the collective bargaining agreement because of the circumstances, and the owners wanting something dramatically different and being willing to risk next season in order to get it. I wouldn't be not, I would not be surprised if if we saw that happen. Ultimately, though, we're asking the players to do something that they're not equipped for, and I am not going to question them or find fault with them for their inability to do it or the way that they've approached it. But I'm certainly not going to applaud them. Use any catchphrase you want. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Uh, There's a reason that we have a scoreboard in sports. It's not about what you intended to do. It's not what you tried to do. It's ultimately, what did you get done? And... When it's all said and done, whether it's Colin Kaepernick or whether it's the NBA players, they do not hold the answer to our problems. We need to recognize that. And so do they. All right, that does it for this episode of Buker Friendless, part of the United WeCast Network. Uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. My book project is done, by the way, so I should be getting back to a more regular, scheduled production of the podcast. Look for it on at least a weekly basis. I'll keep you up to date when it comes to specifics on that. Again, check us out on FS1 Speak for Yourself. In the meantime, as always, stay safe out there, and thanks for listening.